If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the 2021 year-end wrap-up for the Bogosity Podcast, the year that invented the psychosomatic train wreck. This is your host, Shane Killian, and what a year it's been. There's been way too much to review overall, and it seems like we've had far more idiocy than usual to deal with. Pretty much we'll only be talking about the really dumb things that happened, culminating, of course, with the 2021 Idiot of the Year. I decided to gauge the interest of the audience to decide what to cover, and since I didn't have any co-hosts this year, I put it to the users of the Bogosity Discord. What were their nominations for Idiot of the Year? Filthy Heretic had an interesting nomination. As we all know, the S in IoT stands for Security. And we talked long ago about how this was going to make what used to be problems with malware on infected computers to things that could seriously injure us. In fact, Bruce Schneier has an entire book on this entitled Click Here to Kill Everybody. I don't even understand why people would want chastity belts in this day and age. What is this, the 1500s? But as psychotic as their mere existence is, who thought it was a good idea to make smart chastity belts controllable over the internet? Yes, a male chastity lock got hacked. In fact, multiple flaws in the API meant that anyone could remotely lock all of the devices and prevent wearers from being released. The only way to get them out would be something like an angle grinder near their genitalia. As Filthy said, like, seriously, what did you think would happen? The hackers also got things like location data and plain text passwords. The company was very incompetent about dealing with the issue, missing three remediation deadlines in a six-month period and refusing to interact with complaining users. In fact, it took almost a year for them to properly deal with the issue. Now, in case you're feeling all superior about how you would never have used such a device in the first place, understand, the nature of the device has nothing to do with it. It's how bad security flaws can be. And those flaws aren't generally things that the user can address with things like using a strong password or running antivirus software. In one example posted by Marco Polo 112, a U.S. farming co-op was hit with a $5.9 million ransomware attack which had an adverse effect on the food supply chain. According to the co-op, it affected 40% of the grain production and feed schedules for 11 million farm animals. That has echoes of the Colonial Pipeline attack we covered. We've seen cars being hacked to apply the brakes, or prevent the brakes from being applied. In some cases, they've been able to completely take over the car, controlling the engine, steering, brakes, transmission, everything, over the multimedia system. Burglars can hack into many car alarm systems over the web or force your smart garage door to open. We've seen smart TVs and doorbells being used for massive privacy violations. Smart kitchen appliances and hot water heaters could be remotely controlled to start fires. Even pacemakers could be hacked to kill the wearer. There are a couple of very important lessons here, which should have been learned a long time ago. 1. Don't make anything internet-enabled if it doesn't need to be. And two, if you do, 
Bake in security at every level from the design phase throughout the implementation. It's getting to the point where lives are depending on it. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. Marco Polo 112 nominated DRM makers, in particular Denuvo, whose protection rendered a lot of games on Steam unplayable when their domain expired. Although the nomination goes to them all, since this is a problem with all DRM, as I've pointed out before, where would we be today if the works of Shakespeare were protected with DRM and the systems to unlock it weren't around anymore? Understand, we're talking about legal users who paid perfectly good money for these games. Well, as is often the case, when you put the collective mind of internet users to a task, it gets done. They figured out that it was the expiration of the domain CodeFusion.Technology which had lapsed without being renewed. Moreover, when Tornfreak reached out to multiple contacts at the company for comment, they received notices that the emails had been bounced or were undeliverable. Someone ended up renewing the domain name and the problem was fixed, but there's still no information on how this was allowed to happen or how it can be prevented in the future. And this isn't even about a problem that's a side effect of a necessary service. As we've pointed out time and time again, DRM is completely useless. No sooner does it come out than someone has hacked it. That's because it's a form of encryption that requires that the key be given to the very people you're trying to secure it from. P posted an example on the Discord. A GitHub user has published several repositories allowing people to download high-definition video from platforms such as Disney+, Amazon Prime, and Netflix, with an option to purchase the ability to strip the DRM. It works on anything that uses Google's Widevine technology. And if not even Google can get it right, you know there's a problem. DRM can cause issues for legitimate users as well. As Filthy Heretic pointed out, quote, I distinctly remember a leaked copy of Doom Eternal appeared on the internet with Denuvo removed, and its file size was one-third of its retail version. Really, to get an illegal copy of a game or a movie or whatever, the easiest way is to let someone else do the hard work and get it from the pirate bay. It's amazing how quickly these things get decrypted and uploaded.
If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Pikachu had a compelling nomination, Covidiots, quote, Covidiots, basically the pro-lockdown, pro-mandate, and the anti-vaxxer people. It's still the defining feature for 2021 that's caused so much suffering for the economy to the well-being of people to needless death. While scaring people about the variants casting down about the vaccines themselves, when the vaccines still offer significant protection and to justify the state-imposed lockdowns and mandates and then passing stimulus based on them. Stimulus like the $350 billion COVID bailout that, as we saw back in March, funneled most of the money to Democratic strongholds. If anything, 2021 was a year of even more ridiculousness regarding COVID than 2020. We started off the year with reports of major mishandling by governments of the vaccines trying to buy out, stop, control, and hoard vaccines far more than they could give out. One of the most egregious examples was California, which hoarded 60% of the 3.2 million doses it had been given. The EU also badly mismanaged the AstraZeneca vaccine, going so far as to block exports of the vaccine from Italy to Australia. Supply chains had been wrecked to the point that many products were just no longer available, and California had mismanaged things so badly that dozens of container ships bringing much-needed goods to America were left anchored off the coast with no way to unload them. Now, the Dutch are going into another lockdown over hysteria about the Omicron variant, and as usual, they're pretending to know what businesses are non-essential, even though that kind of thinking is what's wrecked supply chains this entire pandemic. The only events permitted are funerals, weekly grocery markets, and sporting events with no spectators. Restaurants can only sell takeaways, and non-essential shops can only offer click and collect in a country with an 85% vaccination rate. And they did this one week before Christmas. And they're not the only European country tightening restrictions. All this despite the fact that the Omicron variant is by far the mildest variant. They fearmonger about the variant spreading like wildfire, but they don't consider what we pointed out at the very beginning, that the milder strains spread faster, displacing the deadlier strains until COVID becomes just another cold virus. In the case of the Omicron variant, the very mutations that make it more able to escape the immune system also make it more difficult to enter the lungs. We've talked at length about the spike protein, but what we haven't mentioned are the hinges that open them up. 
They're there so that the spikes can be retracted until the virus is ready to enter a cell through the ACE2 receptor. An enzyme produced by human cells opens the hinge so it can enter. This may be one reason why natural immunity seems to be stronger than vaccine immunity. The body's natural defenses are making antibodies for the hinge proteins, not just the spike proteins. Unlike the other variants, this mutation makes Omicron less visible to the immune system, but at the same time, it prevents it from using the enzyme to fold out the spike proteins when it gets to the lungs. No cell entry, no lung infection. So it is likely that a vaccinated individual, or an individual with natural or hybrid immunity, will get infected by Omicron when sufficiently exposed to it, but the overwhelming majority will just make new antibodies to it, as well as T and B cells, without much in the way of ill effects. As Oxford professor of medicine John Bell told the BBC, quote, The horrific scenes that we saw a year ago, intensive care units being full, lots of people dying prematurely, that is now history in my view, and I think we should be reassured that that's likely to continue. The disease does appear to be less severe, and many people spend a relatively short time in hospital. They don't need high-flow oxygen. Average length of stay is apparently three days. This is not the same disease as we were seeing a year ago. Individuals infected with Omicron are 31 to 45% less likely to go to the emergency room and 50 to 70% less likely to require hospital admission. It's hard to get information about how many deaths there are from Omicron, which probably means there aren't many or the fear mongers will be singing it from the rooftops. The only figure I was able to see was one death from Omicron in the entire U.S. On the other hand, we do know that there were tons of ill effects from the COVID lockdowns themselves, including thousands in the UK alone suffering heart problems due to post-pandemic stress disorder. We also covered a report that COVID lockdowns are destroying jobs and causing major issues for the poor and working class. No wonder Jay Bhattacharya, professor of medicine at Stanford and research associate at the National Bureau of Economic Research, called the lockdowns the biggest public health mistake we've ever made. Meanwhile, the state seems willing to require more and more booster shots, even though every single piece of evidence shows that the vaccine works quite well and half the states in the U.S., as well as several other countries, have achieved herd immunity. On a related note, P wrote, I nominate the United Nations, the WHO, and World Bank for encouraging lockdowns in the whole world under the threat of withholding loans. I'd add the International Monetary Fund to that. I could keep going with all the COVID bogosity we saw this past year. Pikachu summarized it well, quote, It's been proven that A. The vaccines do work B. The incompetence of the FDA for getting in the way and C. Still advocating lockdowns when things are safe. And frankly, there doesn't seem to be much room for improvement as long as the COVIDiots and panic mongers enjoy political power and prominence in the media. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? 
If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. <laughs> Okay, before we depress you too much, here's a reminder that things weren't all bad. There were three Silver Cluon winners, making 2021 fairly typical. There are usually three to five. In February, the Silver Cluon went to Ontario MPP Roman Bobber, who denounced the lockdowns and introduced a bill to cut the salaries of parliamentarians to levels preceding Canada's COVID emergency response, saying, quote, it's easy to pass laws that destroy people's livelihoods when you're on government salary. My PMB will encourage MPPs to fully appreciate the consequences of their actions when many Ontarians can't afford to put food on the table. The same week, it also went to Justice Clarence Thomas for his blistering dissent when SCOTUS refused to hear election cases. Before the election, they said that none of the COVID ballot measures such as unprecedented and insecure mail-in ballots could be examined since no one had standing to sue since no one had yet been harmed. In the days after the election, they said it would be too disruptive since it might alter the results of the election. Here, they'd also said that they couldn't do it between elections because reasons. And Thomas basically said, then when can you do it? Quote, one wonders what this court waits for. We failed to settle this dispute before the election and thus provide clear rules. Now we again fail to provide clear rules for future elections. The decision to leave election law hidden beneath a shroud of doubt is baffling. By doing nothing, we invite further confusion and erosion of voter confidence. Our fellow citizens deserve better and expect more from us. I respectfully dissent. And finally, one went to John McWhorter for showing how anti-racism became a religion for the left. He had said, quote, We have an idea that in order to show that you're a good person, in order to show that you know that racism exists, what you're supposed to do is treat black people like children. We've gone from trying to make life better for black people who need help to what I really do think of as a religion, where the guiding tenet is to show that you know racism exists but not to actually be concretely concerned with helping black people. You exempt black people from serious competition in terms of testing, in terms of evaluation, in terms of moral judgment, out of a sense that you understand that black people have had a bad past and that therefore you have to change the rules. But what you end up doing is treating black people, black Americans, as the first people in the 300,000 years of human history who are not responsible for their actions, who cannot be held to the standards that everybody else is held to, with the idea that that is advanced thought rather than condescension and tokenism. This is not sociopolitical progress. This is kabuki. And I really do think it needs to stop. Maybe if there's more pushback against Bogosity in 2022, we'll see a lot more of this sort of thing. 
want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. So now it's time to reveal 2021's Idiot of the Year. As if it isn't completely obvious. In addition to the ones we've covered, there are a number of others who could get dishonorable mentions. The copyright cartels were up to their usual antics. Politicians still tried to criminalize strong encryption. There was a lot of anti-Second Amendment garbage. And there were tons of moronic policy decisions from numerous different governments. But really, there's one that has to stand out above the rest. The news media. They're second in a row and fourth overall. Little surprise as we started off the year with a report on how the public's trust in media was at an all-time low, and later in the year we saw that the U.S. ranked last in trust in media, although no country had a stellar rating. I'm going to let Nate Brody summarize the media's lies about Kyle Rittenhouse. These are just some highlights. The full video, with clips and screenshots, is in the show notes. I want to see if I can help people overcome for those who don't understand what happened in the Rittenhouse case and are so shocked at the fact that he was found not guilty. Claim number one, Kyle was not from Kenosha, it was not his community, and he was an outsider. This was Kyle's community. Not only did he work there, not only did his family live there, not only did his friends live there, he was an active member in this community. Now, Whenever you hear people talking about Kyle not being from the community, the one thing they bring up is that Kyle crossed state lines. You may have heard this a lot. Just so everyone understands, crossing state lines is not illegal in the United States. People do it all the time. For instance, I live in what's known as a tri-state area, and millions of people cross state lines every day to work in different states. Like, I used to cross state lines to go to New Jersey and do some work. People cross New Jersey every day to come work in New York. The fact that Kyle actually lived like 10 minutes away from Kenosha, closer than, let's say, Gage Grotskort, who lives something like 30 minutes away from Kenosha. So, you know, this crossing state lines bit is something to make you believe that Kyle was some invading force from, like, Texas or California being bussed in to help people, you know, shoot up a Black Lives Matter rally. But that is not the case. It's number two, Kyle crossed state lines with a gun, and his mom drove him. His mama didn't drive him across state lines, he didn't take the gun across state lines. The gun was actually already there. So we, we have all this. But you, wouldn't, you would suspect that after the trial, news media organizations would correct themselves. But here they are after the trial spreading the same lie. Number three, Kyle had an illegal gun. Let's just deal with the facts first. For all these claims, I like to deal with the facts first. First, the gun charge was dropped by the court because... 
Kyle's gun wasn't illegal? Matter of fact, here's the prosecution admitting that the gun was legal and then the judge saying, okay, well, I'm going to drop the charge since the gun is a legal weapon. Is the firearm here now? Yes. We can either measure it or you can stipulate that it is. it does not meet what I've stated are the requirements. Um, and if it uh, is out of compliance, if the barrel length is less than 16 inches or an overall length less than 26 inches, then I'll deny the motion. If it does not meet those specifications, then this most, uh, defense motion will be granted. <coughs> we are not disputing that the barrel that the barrel length is appropriate. Isn't legal? It is not a short barreled shotgun or a short barreled rifle, yes. Either by barrel or by overall length? Correct. All right. And then count uh, six is dismissed. To show you how legal this gun is in Wisconsin, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Here's a black father with his 16-year-old daughter carrying the gun outside the courtroom during the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. MSNBC is, like, full of lies. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. Even after the trial testimony, they're still saying these stuff. Number four, Kyle only shot black people. Now, I don't know where this lie came from. I don't know where it originated. But any sane person would know would know that Kyle only shot white people. Not to say that that's any better or worse than shooting black people, but the media was pushing this narrative that Kyle shot black people. What? He, he, didn't, he didn't shoot black people. What, what are they talking about? Number five, Kyle should be convicted because if he was black, he would have been convicted. Oh my God. Yes, a black man who had a shootout with the cops where people died claimed self-defense, and was found not guilty. The jury reached their verdicts this afternoon in the trial of Andrew Coffey IV. Coffey's defense attorneys reacting to the verdict. I'm exceptionally happy uh, with the jury's verdict, and they applied the law properly, and they came back with verdicts that were just, um, that, uh, that he was in a self-defense mode, that he was protecting himself, and that he did not know that these were officers outside. So I think he's vindicated from that standpoint. Number six, Kyle incited the violence. They're making it seem like just because Kyle being there somehow incited the violence against him, right? Now, let's go over what Kyle did that night before the shootings. He treated protesters for cuts and bruises, right? There were multiple protesters he treated for cuts and bruises. He put out dumpster fires, um, and he ran from convicted child blank blank who shouted F you and then said they were going to kill him and then lunch for his gun. Yeah, that is what actually happened. Remember, Kyle was the one attacked. And this whole notion that him being there with a gun was in somehow inciting a riot. Well, there were a whole bunch of people there were guns. Guns were so prevalent, the paramedic, Gage Goldskreutz, right? He says he always goes to these things with guns. You would be stupid not to. This is because they're desperate, desperate to make Kyle look like the bad guy here. Number seven, Kyle should have been there. This is not really even an argument, right? Kyle was at a place that he was legally allowed to be in with a gun that he was legally allowed to have, right? This is the same argument that generally is used against victims of sexual assault. 
They'll say, well, why did she wear that short skirt and go to that party where she knew all those guys were going to be at? Right? Why did she do that? Blaming the victim for being attacked. Number eight, Kyle shot all unarmed saints. Gage Gordskreutz, who was shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, was armed with a gun and was actively trying to shoot Kyle. It's interesting because when all these incidents, the only person at this event who didn't have a criminal history, a violent criminal history, is Kyle Rittenhouse. Think about that. Number nine, Kyle was a white supremacist. He wasn't a white supremacist. First, he goes on Fox News and says he supports BLM. Has anyone done any type of background research on his social media posts or, you know, his life to see if he can be linked to any of these white supremacist groups, right? Somebody did do the research. And you know who did the research? The Anti-Defamation League. Rittenhouse's social media accounts provided no evidence of ties to extremists prior to the killings. The Anti-Defamation League, whose job is to point this out, who goes and says, yes, these are the racist groups. They said, based on their investigation, doesn't seem like the kids are racist. Number 10, Kyle was not asked to protect property and went rogue. Kyle was asked to protect property. He was asked to protect the car source. He was hired as a security guard to protect the lot because it had been burnt down. Here's some pictures of it. The night before and all, they lost like like $2 million worth of property. So, yeah. So, the owners asked Kyle and his friends to protect their property. Here's a picture of the owner and the security apparatus, the people who he hired to protect his car source lots. Here it is. He's taking a picture with them before the night's events. So do you really think this owner didn't know that Kyle was there? Didn't ask Kyle to be there? Really? Oh, yeah. And let's not forget we got the text messages and, you know, and all stuff. And the fact that they were, you know, even after Kyle had shot these people, they went into the car source and he gave them keys. I mean, like, we can forget all that stuff, right? The fact that they had access to the buildings and all that stuff. We, we can... You know, nobody wants to even talk about that. These are just the top 10 that I found. But I think there were so many, right, that the media was trying to portray. I could be here all day for an hour. The Kyle Rittenhouse case ended the only way it really could. Straight to not guilty. But the media's lies about the case have to be experienced to be believed. You can go over the history of the case's coverage in this podcast or you can go over the videos I'm linking to from Nate the Lawyer summarizing them. Or if you really want to experience the entire trial with nine hours a day coverage of it, check out the archives of Ricada Law's live coverage. I don't even know how it's possible to summarize their lies about the January 6th Capitol occupation. What was fairly typical of the kind of Capitol occupations we saw from the Kavanaugh protesters, the Blank Panthers, and many others got turned into a huge insurrection, the biggest threat to our democracy since 1812. And as we covered, some Democrats went into histrionics about how their own GOP colleagues might kill them. Hillary Clinton blamed Russia and Putin because of course she did. Never one to be outdone, MSNBC even advocated that government murder American citizens with drone strikes. Then there was the story of the hideous murder of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick by violent protesters, which completely imploded when reports showed that he was not killed by violence. He died of a stroke the day after the protests that had nothing to do with the protests. He had not been attacked 
had not suffered any blunt force trauma or been subjected to bear spray or any other chemical. But real journalists like Glenn Greenwald, who tried to get the real truth out, were attacked and impugned with anyone who cast doubts on the story labeled as Sicknick Truthers. I guess that would also apply to Sicknick's own family, who were saying from the start that that isn't what happened. It might not have been so bad if DC's chief medical examiner hadn't waited three and a half months to release the cause of death. The so-called rioters have been held for months without bail in deplorable conditions, even though every court case so far has determined that they only committed misdemeanor trespass with a few cases of petty vandalism and no charges of seditious conspiracy. What little security video has been released shows it to have been a relatively calm occupation. I mean, you'd think that would count as a real conspiracy theory, but what they called a conspiracy theory was the claim that it was instigated by the FBI, with many people calling it out at the time, which is now pretty much confirmed by an investigative report showing that the key individual responsible, Ray Epps, the only person who actually said on camera he wanted to attack the Capitol, who spent hours trying to recruit hundreds of others to join, somehow hasn't piqued the interest of any law enforcement officials or politicians. In fact, the page I'm linking to that has these videos has had to link to Rumble because YouTube keeps taking them down. But the videos show him actively orchestrating the initial breach of the Capitol barricades while Trump was still 20 minutes away from finishing his speech. There's a lot of other evidence, but the first really interesting wrinkle began in June when both Revolver News and the New York Times exposed a lot more of it, leading a lot of people to wonder why he's escaped with no charges. The FBI responded to these stories by removing all mention of Epps from their website and then ignoring him completely, and even denied explicitly that he even exists. Instead, they've pursued journalists who've asked Epps if he's a government operative, Epps himself refused to answer those questions. But it's just too much to memory hole, and especially in light of other recent activities such as the whole Gretchen Whitmer fiasco that seems to have been orchestrated almost entirely by FBI informants, it's strongly suggesting that's the case here as well. Especially when they've left Epps alone, but gone after people who did not enter the Capitol, who actively told others not to enter, and even some who weren't even there. Check the Revolver News link in the show notes if you want all the gory details. The next most significant example has to be the implosion of the Trump-Russiagate story in the Steele dossier, which journalist Matt Taibbi called This Generation's WMD, and Glenn Greenwald agreed. Longtime listeners will know we were skeptical of this story from the very start, and with good reason, but both Greenwald and Taibbi ended up having to go to Substack to post their journalism, which prompted the mainstream journalists to demand Substack start censoring them. But the indictment of Steele's key source, Igor Danchenko, shows that there was never any reason to believe the first bit of it, and in fact, most of it comes not from any Russians, but from a U.S. PR executive tied to the Clintons. Greenwald, to his credit, hasn't slowed down. And if you want another great example, check the article and video linked to in the show notes where he shows MSNBC and Joe Scarborough telling at least four lies in a two-minute time period regarding the continued persecution of Julian Assange. You'll need to be a subscriber to read the whole thing, but you can see the video. 
the fact-checkers didn't fare well, with two of the more egregious examples being the lies told about John Stossel to get two of his videos removed from Facebook, resulting in him losing thousands of dollars every month, despite the fact-checkers admitting that they didn't even watch them! And PolitiFact, who doubled down on their lies about Kyle Rittenhouse's gun being illegal when it absolutely wasn't! Let's see, what else? There's more of the Trump secret server bogosity that's easily debunked by anyone who knows how DNS works. There was the censorship and bullying of people who wanted an investigation into the Wuhan lab to see if SARS-CoV-2 could have been the result of a lab leak, despite increasing evidence indicating it may have been. There was the incredibly bogus stylization of ivermectin as horse dewormer when it's been used safely as an antiparasitic by humans for decades and has been shown to have antiviral properties in the lab. There was the fear-mongering over Roe v. Wade being absolutely overturned by evil conservatives even though that never happened. You have the false narrative of a thousand Netflix employees walking out over the latest Dave Chappelle special, as well as consistently and deliberately lying about what he said. There's the usual lies about Project Veritas, which culminated in a bogus FBI raid. They spread deliberate lies from dishonest scientists like Michael Mann and environmental extremists like Jan Haverkamp about nuclear power in general and the natrium reactor specifically. They ramped up the panic over 3D-printed guns, and do I even need to get into Jussie Smollett? Oh, and you also had the Biden email scandal they tried to censor, with proof coming out that the lies used to cover it up were the result of collusion from the CIA, Big Tech, the Democratic Party, and the corporate news media actively censoring all reports as misinformation, even though they were backed up by incredible amounts of evidence for their authenticity, including cryptographic signatures. It's stuff like this that caused Filthy Heretic to comment on the Discord, quote, I don't see a difference between the state and the media, to be honest, or at least the mainstream media. In news, they rely on the FCC giving them a license to broadcast to operate, Broadcast frequencies are straight up rented from the government as well, and there's questions about who actually writes the news stories. These relationships describe how these corporations inform their interests, which will always be around the interests of their primary patron. In short, in the U.S., the government controls the mainstream media in all but name. The whole point of cable news was to be independent sources. It just didn't work out that way. And we've seen how the CIA and other deep state operatives are in the background behind all of these so-called inside sources. An inside source leaks information to the New York Times, who publishes. And then the Washington Post, MSNBC, and the others check with their inside source, who ends up being the exact same person. A person passing on government propaganda. We've seen that several times as well as the fake whistleblowers like we saw with Facebook's Francis Haugen, if they don't flip out over it like they did with Edward Snowden or Chelsea Manning, then it's someone giving the press government propaganda they don't have to be accountable for. It's so much about so many different things, it's hard to tie it all together. Other than to say I don't think we can expect anything other than more of the same. So all of that has to make the news media 2021's Idiot of the year. Well, that wraps.
wraps up the Bogosity Podcast for 2021. Please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. I hope you had great holidays and a great new year and we'll see you next week for the start of our 2022 coverage. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from James Branch Cabell. The optimist proclaims that we live in the best of all possible worlds, and the pessimist fears this is true. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.